Welcome again to the Team Vaxelbomb Show. This is episode 72 of the program, and this is going to be a long episode. No, it's not. It, you'll you'll see by the time it's up that it won't be that long. Anyway, I'm a perfectionist. I'm still a perfectionist. As you can tell, Like I care about how far away this is. Is it blocking me? Is it is it close enough? I didn't even get through the checklist. Check audio levels. See how much of a perfectionist I am? Turn off studio monitors. Did I do that? I sound drunk. I sound inebriated. Anyway, uh, turn off studio monitors. Good, they are turned off. I don't hear the microphone bleeding back. I don't hear the bleed. Anyway, this is episode 71. I don't know why I'm like raising my voice as if this is like a radio show that like people, as if this is, this has to have like a energizing intro. It's whatever it wants to be. That's even sounded pretentious. Why did I say that? Um, okay. I'm now I'm stuck in this thing of feeling like I'm pretentious and a perfectionist. Those are two similar Soundy perfectionist, and uh, I already forgot the other one. Oh, pretentious perfectionist. Those are pretty similar sounding words. Now I'm overthinking that. Are they really that similar of words? Holy crap. This is what the podcast is? I'm starting to find out that this is what the podcast is. It's just neuroses on crack. It's just a dude being a perfectionist. And then overanalyzing it. And I got into a loop on that on a previous episode. I don't remember which one. This is probably not good enough. It was like the episode... Okay, now I'm being a perfection. So this this is what the theme of the podcast is. Not just this episode, but the whole torrent of ideas that I'm throwing at you all are spun from the same cloth. Now I'm perfectionizing over that. I need a word for it. We need to think of new funny words. Anyway, did I start the video? Did I start the video recording? I'm already doing a million things wrong. And I put so much time and anticipation into this episode because I'm a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist. I'm going to say that. A lot of repetition. A lot of repetition. <laughs> I just did it. That was a jo- It's like almost a joke. I don't think it's good though. It was. It wasn't a. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to go like. That's a lot of repetition and say it again as a joke. That's just how I am. I stumble into things unconsciously that other people would go, "Hey, that's a clever joke." It's like no, I'm just completely mentally not. Wi- and I'm. I'm not in the same place as you. I'm not in the same place as you. That's why I do shit like that. Because I'm literally... I'm a visual person, dude. Like, I was... I I could be in a boat. I'm in a boat. I'm floating away at sea. Not metaphorically. I literally am thinking that I'm like... I just closed my eyes and I thought of, like, uh, other planets. See, that's what being a visual type of guy is you just close your eyes and boom you just thought of something or you have this feeling of where you're at mentally physically like you could be oh yeah i'm in a podcasting room anyway we're going to get into all that but this podcast I'm, 
I'm still kind of trying to introduce the vibe of this episode because this pod, I've been doing this thing for uh, 71 times. Still not used to it. It's still very daunting and inappropriate feeling. Like, to that sums it up. I don't need to think of more words. It's very weird to do what I'm doing, to do a podcast is just you talking about your existence. I almost said the the L word there. Ooh, that's a trigger word. That's a trigger word. The L word for me is a trigger. That's a trigger word because the word life is a trigger word for people like me. I can't speak for other people, but I'm going to pretend that for the sake of this conversation that other people struggle with what I'm struggling with, which is uh, not having a life. That was funny. And then, I got, and then I was thinking about it, and then the smile turned into sadness. I love that. I love doing that. That's my act. That's my act. Hey, I got, a, I got an act. Dude, sometimes I don't even have to try, and I just fall into, like, performance... Uh, mode and then i just go oh i know what i'm doing i've done this before so i i'm just gonna rest on my my laurels to get me through this podcast no we're gonna go we're not gonna do that on this episode this episode i'm breaking the facade yet again i've done that before even that's hack i've tried to do that before on previous (laughs) just a couple episodes it feels like ages ago I think it was like in the 60s. So it wasn't that long ago when I <laughs> when I when I did episode number, not decade. If yeah, if we're talking about decades, yeah, the 60s was a long time ago. Sorry for the tangent. But uh we're not going to just get through the episode resting on my past level of I can't just skate my way through this episode uh because I want to get to the nitty gritty of, I want to actually grow. I don't want to just have one of those episodes where I just go, yeah, I'm cool. I know what I'm doing. Oh, you thought, you thought I was going to struggle on this? Nah, I'm a big shot. I'm experienced. I'm a, I'm a pro. That ain't, this ain't going to be one of those episodes. This is going to be one of those episodes where I'm struggling to breathe. Like where I'm just trying to like gasp for air like a lifeline throw me a lifeline uh like earlier episodes when i was like i I don't i don't know the specifics of when this was or or like but the feeling of when you're just like when you know that you suck as a broadcaster as anything as a as, as whatever that feeling sucks dude when you're trying to do something like a podcast and you just feel the the lull you just feel that it's like sucking. You just go, who if you just have these negative feelings of like, who would want to listen to this? Who would want to listen? I'm sucking at this. And then you stop doing it. That usually those thoughts win. Those thoughts usually end up taking away the podcast from our hearts, from our good fortune of having those podcasts. Uh, but yeah, that's that. That's what happens. Usually, we don't have like Theo Vaughns of the world. Not to name drop a a comic. I just I look I look up I look up. To, Jesus Christ, I look up to him 
as somebody that probably had thoughts like that, like, you know, is this going to go anywhere? I don't know. I can't speak for him, but I, I'm sure he had. He seems like that type of guy who's like been like, what is it? He seems like a dude that goes through relatable things. And I'm not, I don't like talking about it. I guess I just feel, I don't, I, I'm done talking about him. Let's go back to me. I am a unique original guy with his own problems that are also super relatable. It's just that it takes a lot of rope climbing to make them relatable. Everybody has the same problems, but to make them relatable and fun to consume and not just be like, oh, that guy's an ass, that guy's a dick. I don't care about his problems. If you, you gotta, here's how you, here's how you do it. You gotta, um, be entertaining, obviously, but that's not what I'm trying. I don't give a fuck about that right now. I I know when I'm being enter- I could feel it when I'm being funny or not, or interesting or entertaining. But I'm just trying to get to an interesting point. This is more interesting, is what I'm digging for. That type of infotainment, infotainment. There you go. That's what it is. It's it's uh, entertainment that's also kind of informative. I was almost gonna say educational. For some reason, you can't be like you can't call yourself an educator unless you're like unless you have a badge. I'm a fucking educator. Sorry to curse. That's the first time I curse on this whole episode because I was like, you know what? I just figured out that institutions are be you could you could educate people. Anyway, that's why YouTube's cool. But anyway, we're getting we're barely scratching the surface. So what I wanted to say about this whole being relatable, we I was I was getting somewhere with that. We all have these uh uh pro, we all have the same problems. We all have the same problem. Not all of us. <laughs> Some people if they don't have, if they don't have problems, if it, then you don't hear about them, then they're doing fine. I'm not talking about people with no problems. I'm talking about everybody who has problems, which is everybody. I'm not saying we all have the same problems, but we all have, everybody has problems. So, to make them relatable, not just uh, turn people off and be like, oh, I don't care. You think your problems are better than mine? You gotta attack it <laughs> without like bragging about them. You can't just brag about them. Be like, you think you got problems? Nah, man. It's no one cares. Your problems are dick. If you're one of those people, you won't get much empathy from other people uh, for your problems because that doesn't mean they're not valid problems. If you invalidate other motherfuckers, if you say that your problems are the only ones that matter, everybody thinks that about their their own problems. Everybody's like, man, I got all these. You don't think about other people's troubles, do you? Yes. I also do that too. Now that I brought it up, now that I brought it up, I, I do carry the burden of other people's problems in addition to my own. My own problems are pretty like easy to solve. Not really. They still take a lot of growth, and and I actually haven't confronted my problems. My problems have to do with like fear of like abandonment, and like deep. I'm I'm afraid to like pursue. <laughs> relationships also i'm a dick i don't i get bored of people so that so it's a two-way street but so my problems 
they're pretty deep, actually, now that you mention They're pretty deep problems. That's why I have a podcast where I talk about so, so I still haven't solved them. I could... Anyway, I haven't solved them. Anyway... We're gonna go. We're gonna finish this topic before I get into my. I'm not gonna talk about myself until I'm talking. I'm done talking about other people. But yeah, you have to have empathy, I guess. Be empathetic. But yeah, like you know, like everybody has the same troubles and problems. That's why people drink alcohol. Not why all of them. But the people that like actually drink alcohol, the ones that aren't just doing it for fun. Are oh, you still fun in life? If you have thoughts like that, yeah, you, that's who I'm talking about. People that are jealous of people that are, (laughs) that still have a semblance of recreation, you know? There's such a thing as functional alcoholics that are, that do have a way of like putting aside, they have like some healthy patterns. I'm not talking about them. I'm I'm talking about the people that are only living a very unhealthy existence. They're on the fritz of, like, death, but they don't know how or when. They just know that they're just riding the fucking... They're just... They're skating by. They're putting on a fucking facade. Anyway, that's who I'm talking about. People that are living a dark existence, they all have the same... It's the same thing. It's just insecure. Like, I don't know. I'm not a therapist. But they all have this darkness which could come from... It. It's all the same fucking shit. You're, you have insecure. You have some insecurity or some physical trauma. Usually trauma means mental. No, physical obviously means... The word trauma in this context usually I'm taught usually would mean like a mental thing, but it, but the reason I am so uh, stupid sounding right now is because uh, trauma it, it does affect your it gets into your bones and then it makes it gives you fatigue, it gives you chronic fatigue, which I tried to glamorize on the last episode and I think I did a pretty good job of making it cool. It's cool to be chronically fatigued. Not saying you should lean into it. You should try to get out of it and, and cure the shit out or treat it, obviously. And not be stressed about it and live your life, however, whatever gets you through the next day. But I'm trying to sh- glamorize it because it's a thing that everybody, not everybody has, but a lot of fucking people have that, uh. Okay, not that many people have it. Only me and a few other people have chronic fatigue, but they and then they use like they drown it in uh, substances. But very few people have it as much as me, to be honest. Now we are getting into the specifics of like why I'm special in this con. Like, not not that relatable to be. Now that I think about, I'm trying to be relatable. It's it's turns out I'm like one percent relatable. I'm only going to be relating to like one percent. Of people alive, so that's not that relatable. So never mind. I guess I'm gonna throw away that ditch, that niche of trying to be relatable. But I'm the niche. Whatever I am going through is the topic or the selling point of this podcast. So I don't have to be too neurotic about. Whoa, what am I trying to sell people? Me, just whatever my struggle in life is is what I'm selling you on. Uh, You know. Okay. 
And that's commercial as hell. Not right now, but you gotta, I'm an early investor in myself. Yeah, so sorry. Sorry to pause for so long. I'm having these profound thoughts all the time. And now it's starting to get... Now I'm having those negative thoughts. Oh, this is boring. Anyway, I am in the 1% of people that do have like a type of chronic fatigue. There is... It's so all-encompassing, man. It's so buried in your bones and muscles that just the thought... Just doing this... That took a lot of work. Now I have this wave of exhaustion, like this dizziness. Now I'm dizzy. Dude, dude, just doing that. Like, it's not that hard now that I'm doing now that I'm doing it. But to, the, the thought of doing that. Yeah, that's what crying, I don't know. It's hard. To, that's what it feels like. It just feels like it's just every little act. Everything takes effort. Nothing except for thought, rumination takes non-effort so that leads to bad quality thoughts because you're not thinking about the good shit you could be thinking of you're not thinking about creative deep shit constructing new ideas like for a song let's say you want to be a songwriter if you're just lying in bed all day you might think of a great hook it might just come to you but that ain't how it always goes. To actually finish the song, you gotta put lyrics on it, blah, blah, blah. That takes effort. Like t- That takes alertness. It takes not just, maybe not alertness, but the word I'm, it takes effort. And it takes effort. Maybe it's not fun to to do that, to do what creates a great song. I might be like, ugh, fuck this song. <laughs> actually, that's probably true, that the effort... That's why it's called effort, I guess, is because it's effort. It's not it's not fun. I guess that's the thing that I, I don't have. I don't get pleasure out of the effort. I only get pleasure out of the end result of what the effort created. I could give a crap how much effort something takes. It's how good is it that I'm putting the effort into? Like if I'm just putting all this effort into something and it doesn't pay anything dividends, it's going to, I'm not going to enjoy it. So anyway, let's get off this. Let's try to wrap the bow. Chronic fatigue. Yeah, I started to, that's one of my issues, but that the reason I have it is just lack of dopamine. And that's a struggle in and of itself is just like maintaining baseline dopamine levels that's a very like complicated wave pool formula metaphor uh which i learned about uh from a better podcaster it's always good to cite better podcasters on your own podcast but why not you should everybody yeah if you haven't heard of that yeah yeah that's great i don't know why i don't i don't I, is that narcissistic to be like, no, don't check out this great guy. Only li- this is my time. I guess because I'm spending so much time talking about, and because I, I want to make it feel like it's my idea. Maybe that's why I don't like doing it. It's not my idea, I don't, but it's it's. You, now I'm thinking about that. Oh, what is anything my idea? Has have I ever had an original thought? Is everything that I think is valuable just somebody? Am I just recycling? Yeah, probably most of the time. 
unless you're an artist, unless you're creative. I'm creative where I actually sometimes think of original thoughts, but that was not one of them. The baseline dopamine level thing, when it comes down to it, there's certain substances, um, behavior, uh, obviously there's behaviors that give dopamine, but when you have my condition, it doesn't last very long, man. And I'm getting old, man, so I, I don't know, it's fucked up. I don't have a family. <laughs> I, I, I need something to, like, give me the supply of dopamine. And, like, because you could have ADHD and not give a... And it, it's not, like, a bad... It's not, like, a severe illness. But if you don't have any natural supply of dopamine, that's when your symptoms magnify. When you... Or when you don't have a drip of dopamine, you're going to be in chaos. and It's going to be severe. You're just going to be jerking off. You're going to be wearing the same clothes for like a whole like whole week. Fuck it. I'll even say more than what I've ever done. I mean, I'm assuming that my life can't get any sadder, but that's a stupid assumption. Let's round... Let's project forward how sad my life is will be if i don't get help um you could be you're going to be wearing the same clothing until it smells so bad that you still do nothing about it because it just feeds into the like the self-hate uh i don't know it's, you could you could wear you could wear clothes for a long time uh, the longest I've done is only like half a week. I haven't worn the same clothes for a whole week yet. So I'm doing pretty well. In a couple years from now, I'll look back at my life, how good I had it. What am I doing moping around my beautiful house? It's not that, it's not that I don't take shit for... It's not that I do take shit for granted. Um, okay, maybe it is, maybe I'm taking, that's Paul, that's, sure, I could just be like, yo, you're taking your life for granted, man, um, yes, I am, <laughs> but that, I'm still lacking the dopamine to get out of bed and pursue life and create new experiences and take risks, oh, man, that's a problem, like, I'm such a perfectionist that I have big dreams, and that's a bad place, to, you don't want to have big dreams if you're um, not even going to try to pursue them. Uh, I can't just, I mean, I think it's good to have dreams. It's good to have dreams, but you're going to feel so beat up if you're just not well enough to pursue those dreams. And sometimes they're so daunting that the, you're, you don't even want to do what looks like climbing towards that. I don't know. That's a fucked up. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not even trying to become successful at my dreams right now. I just wait. I don't have the mental energy or the physical. Yeah, the the, the fortitude. And you know, I could just say, "Oh, you're." I'm just weak. No, it's just dopamine. I just it's just dopamine right now because I'm uh, facing. <laughs> I'm facing my true demons perfectionism i'm gonna call that a demon on the previous episode i was like no that's not a demon that's how all the cool guys made all the best art in the world yeah 
yeah obviously it helps to have like a to have like good taste and like care about perfection care about things being as good as possible but for that to be how you look at every day of your life that's where it becomes a problem that's where it becomes a deficit it's like okay i already fucked up today and there's no salvaging it so i'm just gonna it's, it's over that's how i look at uh my existence i almost said the l word And we'll get more into that later, why that's a triggering... That's how the thread... Uh, that's how this topic started, about the L word being triggering. I think that's relatable to the whoever the fuck I'm talking... There's definitely somebody else on the planet. Who gives a fuck how much people relate to this? As long as it's at least one person that totally relates to this, like, profoundly, not just in a passing, like... Ugh. Yeah, that's kind of relatable. Nah, somebody that's like, yes, I totally get what you're fucking saying. Then I, that's all that matters. So anyway, I don't have a life. And that's not like a self-effacing, uh, I don't mean that in the like, oh, you're unpopular, you're just, you're just a loser kind of way. I mean that in the I'm afraid of pursuing new experiences type of way. I'm a life-phobic, agoraphobic for sure. I'm afraid of just living life. I'm afraid of the experiences uh, that can be gained and lost. That's why I don't always dress my age. I don't act my... It's a way of denying your existence and the fact that life is temporary and it's passing you by. It's like, well, you better start living because it's passing you by, slipping through the cracks. You gotta be okay with the fact that life is uh, happening whether you want it or not, man. Like, this is it, man. This is what you're doing today? Just nothing? You just feel like doing nothing but staying in bed all day for most of the day and then maybe a couple hours you'll eat food and then go back to watch consuming content, media, pressing, playing games? Okay, other people obviously relate to this. I'm not the only one. But that ain't... The difference between me and them, some of them, okay, most people don't probably get much like uh, fulfillment out of that existence that of just being alone. It's just a loneliness thing. It's just like it's you're detached. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm definitely afraid of something. I'm afraid of life happening because it's traumatic man life is traumatic so if you're already kind of have this trauma in your background in your history like if you're already kind of like a traumatized person which i am i'm traumatized that's why i'm afraid to like do nor that's why i'm afraid to like do life not completely um I'm not afraid, like, I'm not that much of a scaredy cat. Wow, I'm being very serious on this step. Like, I'm not using bad language. Like, what is this? I don't like this. I don't like this thing that I'm doing right now. But this is what happens when you, <laughs> when you get older. You have to, not everybody. Some people just... I'm the exception of the rule. I'm actually... See, this is what a good podcast is. This is what a good podcast... Too bad it's too long. 
But this, like, the essence of what I'm doing in some regard is showing that what time, how long I've been, the fact that, I don't know, I have no idea how long I've been gone, half an hour-ish. Anyway, we're back. I had, this is the first pause in the, ever, in the history of this podcast. This is a special episode because I've never edited anything and this is the first time I'm editing something and that's because I had to go to the bathroom. So not the most cool reason to have to add a pause or whatever, but like that's what happened. Anyway, I'm starting to suck. I can feel that. Okay, but that's fine. It's not fine for the people listening. I apologize. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like my stock is plummeting. What do you What do you say as the CEO? You just go. Oh no, it's fine that the stock is plummeting. I'm sorry. All my shareholders like. What you what do you 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 think is is my problem that the share <laughs> that the stock what do you, what would you say as a CEO or a CFO of a company if the shares are plummeting you don't you just either you're a good liar or you quit the job and live with the fucking guilt for the rest of your life man that's capitalism. Not just cat. That's just life in general. That's trauma. That's traumatizing, dude. Being a CFO would be traumatizing, because this is just a podcast. Who gives a fuck if I'm bombing on my own podcast for two seconds? Oh, it's a little awkward. It's a little awkward to get the energy back going for two seconds. Cause I'm a perfectionist. But if I was more than that, something that actually mattered, a CFO. Of a corporation, and then the stock market. Every time this fucking stock goes down, like twenty five percent or twenty five cents, I meant to say twenty five percent. That'd be horrible. I would definitely be like crying on TV, or it'd be like if if it was just like twenty five cents. Um, you just go quarterly. Fucking look at the report. Look at the quarterly report. We're doing fine. Revenues up. We didn't miss. We exceeded expectations for this quarter. It's all about the quarter. You only have to play quarterback one four times a year. The season is four games long. In the game of finance, man, being a CFO, man, it's fucking stressful. Every time the stock goes down 25 cents, people are going, why is the stock down? It's like, because people sold. I didn't sell. I'm the CFO. You think I'm going to sell? Maybe just to buy another boat? Yeah, maybe I'll buy it because to buy another boat? Relax. It's not because I don't believe in the company. I'm going to, I'm going to use, okay, I'm not going to, what I was going to say was eventually, when the stock goes down enough, I'm going to buy more of it. But obviously, it's not true. Because that would look bad. Oh, I'm expecting the stock to go down more. No. And why would I just invest more money into the company that I already have most of my life savings and like most of my net worth already is in there? I'm not going to buy more shares. I'm the CEO. I, I live and die for this company or the CFO, whatever. Same thing. Because if you're just the CFO, you might get into this ego 
things like, oh, I'm just a CFO. I don't, it's not my problem that the that's actually an easier job than the CEO. If you're the CEO and you sell shares for a boat, yeah, people are going to feel like you lost hope in the company, man. The CFO will just be like, no, look at the quarterly report. They're fine. Earnings are up. Everything's up. Literally every metric that tracks if a company's going well is up. The only thing that's down is the stock because that's based on bullshit and hearsay. And I don't want, I'm tired of hearing about your shit. That's all stocks are. Oh, I got to hear about the bullshit that you guys are talking about? I'm the CFO. I care about quarterly reports, income, bon- My, I'm an, account- I got, I'm an accountant who gets paid to... I'm like the best accountant. I'm like more than a, an accountant. I manage the whole company's finances. The, the accountants console me as they're my therapists. My accounting team is also my therapy team because they're the only ones who could relate to my problem. They can understand. They can put them into words that I can understand. They're the ones that are smart enough. See, that's why they get paid a lot of money. That's why you know, accountants, they get paid good money because they speak the same language as me. They actually helps me as for therapy. They get me out of bed. I'm not saying that, and they help me out of the bad times too. Thank God, with for without my accounting team putting everything into words that make me feel like life is still worth going. Because sometimes if you're just a CFO, that negative shit, not just sentiment, but the negative, let's say the company isn't doing well, that could seep into your mental health, as I illustrated earlier on the podcast. Like That's why I couldn't do it, man. Everything seeps into my mental health. Finances are my mental health. That's it. My whole net worth is just my net worth. My my self. I said that on a previous episode, but let me say that in a more succinct way. I already did. You get the point. My self worth is my net worth. The same fucking thing. If I lose a dollar, I lose a little bit of my ego. I lose a bit of my a little bit of my happiness. Goes up and down, day to day. That's terrible. The terrible way to live life. So my accounting team, they're the ones that make me feel like everything's going to be okay. It's like, yeah, we'll get through this tax season. We had a bad quarterly report, but we're going to... Earnings for next quarter are looking good. We cut a bunch of wages on the employees, so we're going to have higher cash flow. We're going to have more green cash flow because we cut wages. Fuck those employees. They can just find another job. You're the CFO. We got to make sure you feel good. Those poor employees. Not everybody can win. The company's doing well. That means we got to raise wages. And that'll lower the fucking quarterly reports for profit. Profit is what matters, man. Like, sure, revenue. People don't care about that. People don't care about how much we're paying our employees. They care about net profit and stock price. That's what drives stock price 
is EPS, earnings per share. If earnings per share is going up, you're going to get more positive cash flow into your liquidity pool, into your float. The float, the shares outstanding, will be purchased by other shareholders. They will become more greedy because they'll see the EPS going up. So fuck wages. How do you, can't not everybody can, can't just increase wages for any regular employee if they're just mopping the floor. We'll give them a couple shares, and then they'll become part of the roller coaster of emotions. You know, they they cut my wage, but they gave me stock options. So now they thought that that would make me feel better it's like no i feel a lot now i have more now i understand things on like an existential level now i need a better therapy because my net worth is no longer just something that comes in i'm disillusioned from the whole salary thing now i look at things in terms of equities which is a roller co- it's just like whatever the market says salaries are for that's an illusion Salaries were invented by rich people for less, for, you know, regular people to get through, so they could be slaves, wave, wage slaves. If you have a wage, you're not elite, but never mind that, you're just not living life in the same hemisphere. You're not red-pilled to what reality is. You're living in a dream. And that's fine. It's fine to live life in the blue pill. Just get your wage and live. Get a nice. Uh, if you're happy, if that's all it takes to be happy, that's the key. Some people are just happy, just getting a wage, and then they get a pension if they're lucky, and they get a nice, you know, retirement plan. And they go, well, I'm retired. I lived, I had a nice career as this career, whatever, pick a career, as a nurse. And now I get my pension and I'm done. I'm done. I got through the fucking machine unscathed. I'm, that's life. I'm happy. As long as you're happy with that, then that's all that matters because apparently some people are happy enough with that and they just die and you don't hear about them after you never hear from them again because they never really complained about it before they die they never like you know what i got scared i could have been getting stock options this whole time i could have been actually like being a slave to a different thing to a way more complicated like way more nuanced less rigid like we're who the fuck knows was driving it? Just the shit just flies everywhere. I could have been doing that and not being paid a wage. Me, honestly, I like to have some income. So I like I like a little bit of best of both worlds. Uh, you know, obviously I can never just have just a wage. That's the most meat and potatoes existence. It's like... Yeah, I got paid 60000 this year, so I could either spend it or keep the 60000 and that's it. It just stays the exact same number 
or I could put it into real estate and then, okay, I'm exposed to some kind of a market, but it's a long-term investment. It's not like wheel and deal. It's not like as exciting as the stock market. Uh, but anyway, yeah, most people just live their lives not exposed to the real universe of the open market, which is something that requires therapy. Even the best therapists, they need therapists too because they got stock options. Anybody that gets stock options needs therapy. Or crypto, same thing. Crypto is a thousand times worse because it doesn't even pay dividends and you could lose your keys and like somebody could just rob you at gunpoint and like there goes all your money. No, Nothing anybody could ever do about it. So crypto, yeah, that's why I'm acting, that's why I'm mentally ill. But can't blame all my troubles on crypto. But when it's going well, I feel great. <laughs> so I guess I can't blame 90% of them on crypto not doing great. Also just because I have nothing else coming in i have no other ventures if i had other things at play that were exciting and generating income i wouldn't just be a slave to the uh, randomness and the unpredictability of the marketplace but what you know i'm still not saying that's the worst position to be in because that is reality every business is only is just a th castle in the sand. The waves keep coming and the quarterly reports keep getting eroded, you know. And those castles, obviously, some of them have bigger moats than others. But there's still the waves, man. The tides keep coming in, and the tides. If you don't keep maintain, like building that fucking moat, and building bigger. A bigger castle and keep adding to the castle it's gonna erode other castles are gonna set up shop and you know fling sand at your castle or try to capture your castle so every business is a castle that is just a little tiny cute little castle Starts out as that, but then and then it could be like too big to fail, like just such a big fortified castle that sure it looks like it's gonna last forever, but even then, nope, it's still made of sand, bitch. It's still made of sand. I hope that I put enough emphasis on that thing, on that metaphor, where I don't have to like kill myself over how fucking profound it is. Anyway, it's not that profound. All businesses are just sand castles. And the sand is, you can't count the little pieces of sand. Like, it's just, for its nature, it's something that you can't reckon with. Like, you can't just be like, okay, no, it's a permanent sand. No, it's made out of sand, something that is the fragments that nature produced over thousands of years by ero erosion. So it's going to come and take your castle if you just let it sit nothing is permanent in the world of capitalism nothing nothing even governments are not permanent we as we know it just nothing is permanent i don't know 
what my point is with that. I guess my point is that uh, you can't just be like, oh, I have a business, so now I'm happy. It's like, now businesses come and go. Uh, what doesn't come and go is like a nice solid rock of a portfolio. Once you have a nice solid rock of a portfolio, that's just, that's like, you know, that's why they say, man, it's got to be diversified. Because they know that all these little assets are just exposed to some market that could go out the window like a sandcastle. So you don't want to just invest in one sandcastle. Sometimes that works out if it's Apple, but that's one out of... Who knew, Who could knew that that was the one that would be the biggest one? It's very hard. It's very humbling uh, to be a stock trader in the 80s. I don't know. To be a long-term stock trader like Warren Buffett, he's, st he's still humbled even though he's a trillionaire. Even though he's as rich as you could pretty much get, it's still humbling to learn what he learned. You know, he still learns a lot about companies, man. He doesn't forget what he knows, though. He, he always is like, oh, yeah, duh. Duh. No, he's getting so, like, experienced. He has so much experience that... The tenets, the, the the things that are true, he knew he had these things, these tenets uh, from the very beginning of his career for the most part. Since the 60s onward, he was like, I invest in good companies with good people running them. So good, profitable companies with moats and good CEOs, good C people behind the companies. If it was just one or the other, he would pick the one that's more profitable just because, come on, we're in it to make money. And that's, I mean, come on, you got to follow the money if you're trying to maximize, if you're trying to beat the S&P. He beat the fucking S&P. He could rest on his laurels. He could just skate by the financial. He could just skate by those meetings, man. Those uh, those press, those uh, what do you call those annual meetings, man? He could just be like, well, we're still ahead of the S&P. So I'm just going to sit here and eat my Dairy Queen and talk shit about other companies and other people. I don't know the fuck that. Yeah, ask me questions. Okay, annual report. Uh, everything's still making billions of dollars in profit. How do you like that? We're still 10%, we're still literally 10% ahead of the S&P. 10% ahead of the S&P. Okay, any questions? Did I, do you really need to know the details? Yeah, the railroad company is still doing, yeah, Coca-Cola. Yeah, we made a, a couple billion off that. Apple, we got a couple billion just in dividends. We almost got a billion dollars in dividends just from Apple. And they don't barely even pay. Anyway, do you really need to know the stupid details of what we're invested in? We're, we're 10 percentage points above the S&P. Everybody that invested in us in the 80s or whenever we went public are long dead and happy. They're long... If they're still alive, they're super fucking rich. They're, if they, they're super... They're kids... They're, they're kids, 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 kids. Don't have to worry about college money. They don't even have to go to college. They could just literally just jerk off on a, a podcast all day. They could literally just jerk off, do mushrooms all day, every day, until they die. 
who invested in us, their kids, I'm t- like their 40th generation down, who invested in us in the 80s. So you missed the, it, it, What do you want me to say? You should have. We're still cool. We were cool then. We're still cool. How many people are still cool from the 80s? Not many. We are. We made, We look cool. Just we, we didn't wear any stupid. We wore the same shit. We wore business suits. So we have no blunder years from the 80s. We were up 30 percentage above the S&P. Because it was a good decade for us. Even better than the 20s. So f- if you didn't tell them, what do you want? Ask your question. Boom, I'm done. Microphone is, I don't even have to be here. I don't even have to be here. Why the hell do they do their meetings, man? It's because it feels good. It's like, because it's fucking awesome. Because it's great. If they're behind the S&P, they want to do the meetings. They'd be fucking killing them. They'd be, they'd be like depressed. They'd be depressed. Probably suicidally depressed. It'd be a fucking whole, it'd be funny if Warren Buffett like had a bad decade and he's he's lagging behind the S and P, and then he still has to do the meeting. He's go, well, we're behind the S and P, so I guess I don't know what to. I mean, we're kind of. Uh, I feel bad for everybody at this time because I used to be so. I had such a good record up until now. I had such a good record. Everything I said, I guess, isn't true anymore. I'm just, uh, fuck. I'm selling. I'm selling all my shit. Everybody just sell. I'm sorry that this is happening. And then the price will just crash. The price of uh, Berkshire will just crash if everybody sells. If everybody sells, then the last shareholder <laughs> would be the the owner of the entire company. Just the last person to have any shred of the company. Like Even if they're selling too, they just say, oh, you happen to be the last guy. So don't sell too quickly now because you happen to own the company. You own the company, so are you sure you want to sell? Because if you sell, it's gone. And it's just liquidated, and now you have all these railroad companies. You don't want that. Just hold, just hold the share. You'd be like, wait, what? I'm the last guy to sell? I'm the last guy? And it's only a dollar a share? Of course I'm going to sell. The company and inherit all those assets that Warren Buffett pushed out on. Can you imagine? Warren Buffett's like 95. He sells all his shares, makes a few billion off of it. You know, it crashes the value, so his net worth sh- like shrinks to like maybe a couple. Worst case scenario, like a, like a few hundred million. That'd be because if because he was too slow to sell and it just crashed to a dollar and hey it only had so many shares he only had a couple hundred thousand shares and when it's only worth a dollar it's not gonna be so anyway that'd be whole so he's worth like a couple hundred million and the last dude who just happens to be some random dude he just has he owns the whole company by default because everybody else pulled out completely this was never happened but let's say it did for the sake of argument. And he inherits all the assets. Because he sells. He's like, well, of course I'm going to sell. 
I don't want to be the CEO. I don't want to hire a new board to deal with the horrible stock price based on sentiment alone. So I'm going to sell two. Oh, I get all the assets because it's I'm the only shareholder, so I get the proceeds of all the assets, which happen to be just other companies. So you don't really have to do much. It's just like, okay, Berkshire's liquidated. All it is is a wrapping on a bunch of presents. And all the presents are just different companies that are just subsidiaries. So you inherit all these companies that are doing fine, but they're private companies with no stock. So you get all the profits and the headaches that go with owning those companies, but they already have uh, management behind them. So literally, it's not actually that, but you're not the manager, you're just the owner. So you inherit these assets that go from $1 to billions in a second just by liquidating it's like, okay, the stock price of Berkshire's worthless. Okay, well, the assets are worth billions still because that's not, because they're private companies. And private companies are not just based on the open market. It's private. We make good decisions privately. But we actually care about what the company's doing privately. <laughs> it shields you from reality which is but reality is good companies are the ones that build the best sandcastles that last the longest not forever anyway I think I made the point about that enough about how yeah like everything's castles in the sand and shit and how it's good to be exposed like is it good I like being exposed to the real life stock market because you could become a trillionaire if you know how to play the game the quarterback game if that gives you happiness too, fine. I, some people do, do get happiness just from reading quarterly reports um, and seeing if the companies are hitting their... But you can just get that on C, uh, CNBs, whatever it's called. CNN... The fuck is it? I don't, I don't remember what it's called. The most famous, biggest channel where they talk about this boring old man shit. Hey, that's part of becoming an old man. And I'm sorry that it's boring. I'm sorry that that's boring, but that I spent so much time talking about finances. But, like, I accept that that's boring because when it's going up, I feel like the most interesting person. People actually listen when you're making money. Like, oh, you made a million bucks this year? Cool. I'll listen. I'll People, like, take that as, like, interesting. Because uh, they're like, oh, yeah, that's what life's all about, just making money. But, like, is it? No. But it, it gets you there. <laughs> it, it helps get you to other avenues where you are confident enough to spend the money that it's going to take. I don't know, man. I'll start a family. I'll start a family at some point. I think I can handle the trauma of that and spreading the trauma. It's not just narcissism. Because I take magical mushrooms that cure my narcissism. They completely cure the narcissism for about a few hours. So anyway, uh, and, and I'm not a full-out narcissist. I'm actually, have, but the perfectionism thing is part of that. It's part of 
it's it's just a dark uh realization that I had with myself about like if you're so if you if every day has to be perfect or else you just throw it out the window and just do nothing and just idle by that is uh, a poor that's just like that leads to sadness and regret and deep like anger towards yourself kind of yeah like it leads to jealousy for other people that are doing life that actually have a life and then you just you have no one to blame but yourself though because it's not their fault that you don't have the balls to live your own life you gotta just be jealous of others so anyway i hope that was very relatable and unfortunately we have to continue the podcast for another few minutes because um I, I for another thing about my perfectionism is i like to anyway this is a very all over the place um podcast episode it wasn't that all over the place it was just more in the term in the respect of like deep and not something i would call like funny but there are some good moments anyway um i don't care if it's funny um i was not in a funny i was in a complicated mood i was in a very sad i had a very sad morning um from um i'm always hesitant to bring it up when i take uh hallucinogens but like i'm still taking hallucinogens <laughs> that's where i got the t-shirt um i had a challenging experience on psychedelics earlier in the day and it's always the same it was it was challenging it was it was uh one of those times it was like as soon as i took them um i got anxious sorry i can't finish the sentence because i'm i'm not interested in i'm not like enthusiastic and i just realized how ha- how boring it sounds to talk about your mushroom trip and how repetitive it is to be like oh man i did it again i took mushrooms again and i learned the not but you know it it was just more of uh it just it's always good to do something okay whether it was good or not there were some great moments where I, it actually made me feel alive that's what it does that's the thing about fucking mushrooms that people don't like about them that they make you feel alive and some people don't want to feel like all of their living parts like they don't want to they don't want to feel their whole brain uh for what it is they don't want to feel life for what it is i don't know okay it's not that's not really accurate it's uh it's just the the anxiety that it brings on at first is so scary and i'm not going to spend more we're going to wrap up the episode i'm just trying to wrap it up on something a little bit not like somebody died i just don't like the energy of the the i could just feel like i'm crashing my energy's crashing i had it in the beginning anyway who cares now I'm just trying to extend. Okay. The problem is, is I've already been going an hour. 
So it's either I stop now or I keep going for another. Let's just finish this one topic. We're not going to do a 12-hour. I know we're definitely not going to do a 12-hour one. Let's just finish this one topic to get it on paper, to get it in the bag. So when you first take, when you take mushrooms, I, I had, I don't know, I, it was a huge amount of, like as soon as I, and I had to convince myself to do it, that's always a bad, yeah, like I was like anxious before I even took them. I was just like, you know, I'm so um, not feeling good right now. I I felt like this physical anxiety, like this, my head, I just felt like dizzy and like slant. I, I felt like I was tripping already that day. I already felt like I was tripping. So I knew I was in for something. I was in for a more intense experience than I'm, you know, like I was fully awake, like in anxious, like I had energy. I couldn't just, I wasn't going to be able to just zone it out. I knew that it was going to be front row for my, to buckle up. I just told myself, buckle up. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be scary. And and it was. As soon as I went out, I was anxious before I felt any effects from the mushrooms. I was already having like a slight anxiety attack even before the mushrooms themselves came on. So I knew I was in for a bad time. But it's sounding fun. It's sounding fun, but like that's the thing. It's only fun because I'm talking about it after it's over. And that's part of why people take mushrooms is because it sounds fun to go through that. It's like, whoa, what's going to happen? It's not mundane. It's like because you're so bored, you just want to be like, hey, let's do something that's going to make me not bored. Well... You succeeded. You're not bored anymore. Now you wish you were bored. Now you're literally pacing around, making sure your vitals are okay. Like you're worried about your vitals, but you don't want to actually check because that would make you more nervous. And when you're already feeling a panic episode coming on, like the very beginnings of an anxiety episode, you don't want to check your vitals. You don't want to be like, Oh shit, they're rising. Because that's probably going to make them rise even more. So I, I tried to talk myself out of it. And somehow I got, I did, I got through it without like having a full out meltdown. Which I don't even know what you, I would do. Just like call an ambulance. Like, because I don't have a, that's what a full out panic would turn into is me either is me having to like turn myself into the to a hospital and that's all that would make it worse that would obviously make it worse i don't have valium and i don't want to have a prescription for valium because that would just be like okay now that i got the valium i could take twice as much and i don't need to take that much mushrooms because i always know what's going to happen it, when it's happening when you're tripping you're never excited to be like, fuck yeah, this is what I want. No, it's like a punch in the face. It's like, this is what you want, bitch. You're getting it whether you want it or not. And you know, 
It's not what you wanted. It's never what you wanted. It's always these dark fucking thoughts of like, fuck, life is, I'm going to die soon. Fuck, it could be today. It could be today. I could literally die today. In two seconds, I could die. That's the thought that causes me to have these negative, these spirals of like anxiety of like, what if I just died by having a episode that turned into whatever, a medical, you know, situation. That thought could cause... So anyway, it was bad from the start. It was very uh, bad from the start. But then I just, I had my ways of telling myself that it would be okay. I knew I would have to be doing this even before it started. I was like, get ready to... <laughs> Like I, I did it as like punishment, like because I didn't, wasn't it like doing it out of like fun? Um, it was just like you're due for another. <laughs> you gotta take your fucking ayahuasca. You gotta take this medicine, and it is medicine for it is mental health. It's like therapy, but it's too much. It's it's a punch in the. It's negative too. It's also not therapy. It's literally negative. It could brew this darkness. That could lead to somebody like listening to negative thoughts and killing themselves. Like that's what it could lead to if you actually are suicidal. Shrooms could convince you to actually do something, and it's um, and it feels like it's you telling yourself, but it's not. It's it's like an, it's schizophrenia. It's not like you actually are suicidal. It makes people that are not suicidal become suicidal because there's because that's they get in this negative feedback loop, and and then you think it's real because you're tripping and yeah, what it's it's dark. It's dark as fuck, and so I was having these negative thoughts. But then I took a walk. I don't know. I had my ways of coping, th of getting through it just by not focusing on the anxiety and just trying to go outside. The nature is always is the best uh, stabilizer. Going back inside, I was like, this is the color of the light that I live every... No wonder I'm so depressed. No, man. Like, it's just the color of the light felt so artificial, like this y yellow, this ugly fake yellow of the lighting in my house which I use every day fluorescent lighting whatever you call it it's on it's not natural so it's like this is where I live in every day so I went I was like I can't I don't want to be in here so I I went I had to go back outside and I took a full walk around my block bigger than just my block I took a 20 minute walk around the neighborhood it's a pretty, it's a large development. So it was a 20 minute walk and it was good and there was some moments of where I had to be like, you know, just you feel these gravity pulls where you feel like you're being sucked into a black hole of anxiety and panic. So it's not like you could just look at the pretty colors. I did that later. I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But I was like, I don't need any more of this. How much of this do I need to... How many times do I got to... 
go down this road of like looking at these pretty patterns shifting around like morphine and you know it just looks like um something morphing in on itself spiraling and like it's beautiful it's cool to look at it's like this patchwork and this fractal like what is it trying to tell me and then sometimes you take enough where it does it tells you what it's trying to tell and it, it removes even you know it tells you shit that's very like uh real like uh profound about like life and like it could just so easily go dark and usually if you take them as much as me you probably do have a dark part of your brain and i don't know so it was a dark morning and uh beautiful morning after i got out of it though um, um i got out of it and then i started doing this podcast it took forever to be like okay i guess i'm ready to do this and i kept going back into it now i'm kind of i kind of miss it I, I do like it is fun when you're on the past the uh the peak once you're past the trauma the traumatic part it does just become like fun and you get dopamine from it indirectly it doesn't directly cause you to feel pleasure, but it it does give you this feeling of being like you just got kissed by the by love. You just got you, like the afterglow feel, feels like you just got kissed by your mother. Um, but you not not literally. It still makes you want to contact people and talk to. You. It makes you want to love people and tell people that you love them. Because you feel that you could finally love yourself for who you are. So anyway, it's uh, but then once that wears up, once you're kind of over the whole, this is depressing. My life, I don't, I'm sad. Once you get over that, it is fucking fun to just watch the the patterns move around. So it is kind of cool for that. But like, there's other that that's then you're just chasing like a drug at that point. You're just chasing the recreational side of it. It's hard to just do that without going through the introspective part, the very deeply disturbing introspective part. Um, so you pay for it. You pay for it, and then you get to relax and feel love and that you want to give love to other people and that you, you feel so relieved to be back in the real, in the mundane, bored part of life. You feel like, oh, thank God, I could actually, it's over, I could look back at this and laugh at it. I'm no longer traumatized about how I might have to call an ambulance. And that's how my morning went. So it was a good morning, and uh, I got a lot to do. I got a lot on my plate. So I won't bore you with any more details, and it's good to be bored. It's good to be bored. I'm not glad. I'm not supposed to be boring. That's not my job, to be boring. But I'm just saying, take your boredom as a blessing. Blessing. Because uh, there's a way to lose that by taking high-quality psychedelics. It's the opposite of alcohol but in a way it can 
trigger these impulsive thoughts. It doesn't mean you act on them. It makes you, but some people do act on them. So I, it, it's not like a perfect op, whatever. It's a, it's a scary fucking thing to be doing. Um, with that, you got to respect it, but also most importantly, respect yourself. How about that? If you're going to take psychedelics, sure, respect the chemical that you're about to take because you will not be happy if you take too much. You'll be like, this is the worst thing ever. Literally, it's scarring. It's traumatizing to take too much of a psychedelic, man. And then, yeah, I've been there before where I thought for sure I was dead. I was like, well, that was it. That was that. Well, I th- anyway, I thought I was about to die. I was like, well, this is what death is. I have to go through this traumatized, this horrible. But that's what it happens when death happens. Anyway, so that was a fun place to end. But anyway, so respect, the point is, yeah, respect the chemical. Don't just take them frivolously because you'll learn, you'll get, obviously, you'll get punched in the face. Even if you take them when you think it's, even when you do it uh, knowing the dose, which I did. I didn't, overdose i took the dose was fine i'm i was i was perfectly fine with the dose but the it's just nothing i it was just a little bit it was just my set and setting it was just my mood going into it i was already anxious i was already not super excited and my self-esteem was revealed for what it was which was super low Go into it with maybe not the lowest self-esteem. How about that? Don't trip on mushrooms when you have a super low self-esteem, expecting it to raise you out of it, because you it might at the end, but the it'll be traumatic if you because it'll if you let it if if it takes over your sub um. Don't let the negative, because the negative thoughts could come out much easier, I guess. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Maybe, I don't know. For me, today, the negative thoughts came out, and uh, it was rough. Um, That's it. Pretty much just that. Like, I wouldn't expect, you have to kind of, like, know what you're getting into. It's like, I knew it would suck. (laughs) I was like, this is probably not going to be good. And as soon as I took them, I was like, fuck too late now i could try to choke them up but that'd be awkward. that'd be probably make it i don't know how to make myself throw up but i was like super anxious after i took them i was like fuck this was not the right time to take these powerful uh hallucinogen pills they always were they're very reliable they're very high quality so that's the good thing is they're good shit. They're good shit. And I don't, I don't have to think about it for a bit longer because I need, yeah. I, and I got sunlight, so I'm, I'm doing what I can to get out of this mindset. It's a bad mindset to be in. The perfectionism bullshit is a bad mindset. And the low dopamine, baseline levels of dopamine, we're still working on. Exercise has not been helped. I, I, you know, like I've I got on the the habit of exercising every day and it didn't do shit. 
it just made me it just made me tired but not it just made me feel like okay that took effort that's it that what's the reward where when do i start feeling good about the rest of my day it didn't help with my motivation just to start exercising it didn't hurt i guess but it didn't I feel like I only have so much motivation per day, and that just siphoned all of it. Some, so then I had, I don't know, maybe it, sometimes it helped, it, and also I didn't give it that long. But it took a lot of effort f- so far for what it's get paying back. So, and I ate McDonald's a week ago, and it felt, am- it was like the best feeling ever. The next day, terrible. Refrigerated McDonald's is very bad, but fresh McDonald's, they know what they're doing. And they are, they are, they know what they're doing. They know that they get people addicted on the fresh McDonald's and they know you can't refrigerate it. It's not going to be as good. Fucking it, it's that's a good business model. That's a good business sandcastle, so it might be too late to invest in McDonald's, but it's not too late, but you're not going to get rich. It's a good place to invest some of your money as a holding. It's not going to lose value because that's a fucking good business. It makes you feel amazing the first time you bite into a fresh Big Mac or chicken nuggets and you eat two X, you eat so much that you get these uh, endorphins. I don't know. You can't do it every day. It'll, it'll just start feeling shit. But obviously, it gives you endorphins. It gives you a high. The carbs are it's more than... It's just like whatever nasty shit is in there makes you feel amazing afterwards because you're getting what you want. It's like jerking off. It's like it's, So it's like an orgasm. It's a drug. And then it doesn't keep. So that's a really good drug. For the dealer's point of view. For the... Yeah, for the... Like cocaine... Same thing. Usually you don't have any, but it's it keeps. Although it's not like it doesn't stay where it is in the refrigerator. You could refrigerate cocaine, but it's not going to be there because you're going to snort it all. So McDonald's is like the cocaine of food. It's a legal version of cocaine. So people who say, okay, I'm I'm almost done. So people who say that their favorite fast food place isn't McDonald's, I go, that's like saying you don't like cocaine. Everybody's favorite fast food joint is McDonald's. You just don't want to admit it because that's like saying you like cocaine. Everybody's favorite drug is cocaine. Just like everybody... Like, there's not even a second one that's close like wendy's you're saying wendy's is is as good as mcdonald's not even close it's not even close wendy's is like shitty it doesn't give you the same fucking high as that pumpkin is that uh pie it's not a pumpkin they don't have pumpkin pies but the apple pie mcdonald's is a great drug it's one of my drugs of choice that I ain't trying to do every day. But I did it last week and I'm proud of it um, because it, it was like finally I don't have to keep doing this shitty. It's just good to break your ha- your pattern of 
good behavior and sometimes do something naughty. Of course, I could not just eat McDonald's every day. I would feel awful about myself. Okay, I take that back. I'm sorry, but I have to I have to smoke a cigarette. I had these cigarettes here the whole time. No lighter? I forgot the lighter. But anyway, to wrap up the episode, McDonald's is a good drug. It's like cocaine. If you don't like McDonald's, it means you're not cool. Should I say that I can't eat McDonald's every day? No, I could. And I would probably actually be happier than I am now if I ate McDonald's every single day. I'd be fat, but I'd be happier. (laughs) And you know who ate McDonald's every single day and still does into his 90s? I'll let you think about that. I'll let you think about that. It rhymes with Berkshire Hathaway. And he's the CEO. So if he could do it, maybe I could too. But I care about my self-image too much, and I and I don't. If I'm fat, then my whole I I feel terrible about myself because of narcissism. So anyway, I'm not saying that I'm gonna eat McDonald's every single day. I'm just gonna say I'm a fan of fucking McDonald's of McDonald's. Sorry to curse. <laughs>